0: slash Detectives. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, for our second listener support special, we have something really different. And it's what I'm calling a little bit of mystery audio. This audio is all over the internet in several places as Sam Spade first-nighter spoof. But what exactly is it? Where exactly did it come from? Was it broadcast on air? When was it recorded? Answers are really hard to find. So we're going to play it and we're going to talk about what we can deduce about it. Now, I will warn you that there are a couple of minor swear words, which itself may be a clue, but we'll talk about that afterwards. But uh, listener discretion is advised. Alright, so let's listen to this bit of audio and see what we can figure out. It's the Sam Spade First-Nighter spoof.
1: Campana's First-Nighter program. From the little theater of Times Square. Starring Barbara Luddy and Olin Soule with an all-star cast sent to you by Campana, the quality name in cosmetics. It's theater time on Broadway, and tonight we're to witness the biggest event on the Great White Way, the premiere of a brand new play in the little theater off Times Square. There'll be plenty of excitement, too, because the opening night performance is the crucial one, the evening when the
2: public and the critics say yes or no to the play's bid for success. And now, here's our host for the evening, the genial first-nighter. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just in the mood for a gay Broadway premiere this evening, are you? All right, here's my cab. Won't you step in? Okay, driver, to the Little Theater. Up Broadway, across 42nd Street, and into the glare and glamour of the dazzling lights that give the great white way its famous name. And now up ahead is the Little Theater off Times Square. Well, here we are. Beautiful creature over there, Dorothy McGuire? Let someone say Governor Dewey's here Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr. First Nighter. The usher will show you to your seats. Thank you. We'll go right in. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. This is a packed house tonight. Because word is out that this evening's play is a comedy that no one wants to miss. And from the looks of the First Nighters crowding inside the theater, everyone is here to enjoy it. The famous first-nighter orchestra is being conducted tonight by Frank Worth. And now the house lights are about to dim, so let's prepare to enjoy ourselves.
1: Curtain! First curtain!
2: There's the signal for first curtain. The house lights are out. And here's the play.
1: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective...
3: Detective agency. Uh,
1: Same one, sweetheart. Sam!
3: Where have you been for two days?
1: Effie, please speak softly and stop popping your gun. Sounds like a cannon.
3: Oh, I've got you, Sam. Are you working on something big?
1: Yeah, the biggest in town, Effie. My head.
3: Your head?
1: Stop! Are you trying to kill me? I mean, your head.
3: What's wrong with it, Sam?
1: I am in a state known as a New Year's Eve hangover. Not to be confused with any old hangover. I made the mistake of trying to stand up, drink for drink, with everybody in the place.
3: New Year's Eve? Why, Sam, that's a week away.
1: Well, we all wanted to get a head start. For two days now, I've been lying in an insensible state. Drinking from a hose i fastened to the water closet. I have so much water in me now, I will shortly appear on the new maps as Lake Spade.
3: That will teach you the evils of drinking.
1: I've already made plans to take the pledge on my way to the office, Abby, so uh, turn off the radiator that clanks. Muffle anything that makes the slightest noise. Smash all my drinking paraphernalia with your souvenir carry nation hatchet. And then... Only then will I appear to dictate my version of the magic castle caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, joins with Howard Duff and Lorraine Tuttle to make your hair stand on end with The Adventures of Sam Spade. Effie, Effie, you're a doll, but I'll, uh, I'll make it solo. I need the practice.
3: Oh, Sam, I didn't break up your drinking equipment. I, I thought maybe the hair of the dog.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't help at all, Effie. Only time and Mother Nature and her infinite mercy can deliver me now.
3: What was that? Oh, just your chair squeaking, Sam.
1: It sounded like thunder. Put some three-in-one oil on it. I, no, double it. Make it uh, six and two. Well,
3: tell me all about it, Sam.
1: I will, I will my pet as quickly as I can. I have to get back to my apartment. Are you ready? Ready, Sam. To Detective Lieutenant Dundee, homicide detail from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, Bill Larson. (laughs) Dear Dundee, this is not a caper wherein I was a great detective. I'll admit that from the beginning. But I wound up becoming one of the world's great magicians. The Magic Castle is the famous private club for magicians nestled in the hills overlooking Hollywood. It was half past eight. Now, who the hell could that be?
3: Well, maybe it's the telephone company checking the line.
1: Yeah. Samuel Spade speaking. Is your dollar? Sam, this is the First Nighter. I'm down here at the little Theater on Times Square, and I've got a problem. Can you and F.E. come down here right away? Mr. First Nighter, we're 3,000 miles from Broadway. What? Well, oh, never mind. Hold on to your hat. Through the magic of radio, Effie and I will be right there. That doesn't take long. Here we are, Effie.
3: Oh, dear. Sam, what are they doing?
1: Well, it looks like uh, they're about to rehearse the opening of the First Nighter program. Sure. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Time And Broadway buzzing with holiday excitement And eagerly awaiting to welcome an opening night performance At the Little Theater of Times Square Starring Les Tremaine and Barbara Luddy There'll be a crowd of onlookers and autograph fans on hand At the entrance to greet the celebrities Who always attend the premiere on the Great White Way So let's not miss a minute of the excitement, shall we? Will you join me? There are lots the of uniforms in the crowd tonight At Broadway and 42nd Street Shall so we cross the street here? Well, here we are at the Little Theater off Times Square.
3: Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please.
1: Good evening, Mr. First-Nighter. The usher will show you to your box. And Mr. First-Nighter.
3: Mr. First-Nighter. Isn't this the spot where the First-Nighter is supposed to read his lines? It
1: sure is. Where is he? I'm right here, Sam. Hello, Eppie. Oh. I'm so glad you got here. Read this. This note I got. Note? Yes, yes. They're going to kill me. They're after me. Save me. Help me, Sam. And now, please be calm, Mr. Just a moment now. Let me read it. Uh, Nothing you can do can save you. You will be killed tonight at midnight, just before your show begins. Midnight? And it's 19 minutes to 12 now. Oh, don't let them kill me. I'm too young to die.
3: Just how old are you, Mr. First-nighter?
1: 86. Well, 86 going on 87, I hope. Well, I hope so, too. Now, uh, uh, this should be very easy to solve. It uh, reminds me of a case we had a year ago last sponsor, or uh, was it the uh, sponsor before oh, that? Oh, please, uh, Dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it was a late autumn night. I had a client just like you. Fourteen minutes to 12. This fellow got a note that he was going to be killed at 9 o'clock. My note says 12 o'clock. Well, this is Pacific Coast time for the repeat broadcast. Oh. When this man called me about the note, we took every precaution. We bolted the doors, barricaded the windows. We had police on every foot of ground around the apartment. Police dogs, electric eyes, burglar alarms. Every precaution known to criminology was taken to see that this man would not be killed by 9 o'clock. Oh, good. What happened, Sam? What happened to the man? He was killed. But not until 10 o'clock. We'd all gone home. We were all dead tired. He was dead and we were tired. (laughs) Oh, 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 Sam, I, I, I don't know which way to turn. I, know how you I called every detective I could like think of. Why aren't they here? Huh? There's someone now. Twelve minutes left. Yes, yes, come in. My time is your time. Yeah, not this time. You're no detective. Get out of here. Excuse me, Mr. First I'm Casey, crime photographer. Hold it. Thank you. Up part of the morning express. Please, Mr. Casey, will you do something? They're going to kill me at midnight. Midnight? Can't wait till midnight. We're going to press at once. Uh, find it. Lie down on the floor. I'll take one more. Well, I don't want to lie down on the floor. I'm going to be killed at midnight. There's somebody else at the door. Who is it?
3: Good evening. I am Charlie Chan, Chinese detective. Sage has said, no job's too big, no job's too small. That's the trouble, no (laughs) job.
1: How do you do, Mr. Chan? I'm uh, Sam Spade, license number 137596. And this is Effie, my my right hand. Uh, Effie, this is uh, Charlie Chan, the man who helps the police solve all those difficult crimes by brilliant deductions.
3: Oh, yes, Sam, I know, but isn't it strange that he's never been able to lose his accent?
1: Oh, please, it's eight minutes to midnight. My life is at stake. This note I got. Note? What's the note? The note threatening my life. Mr. Spade has it. There, Chan, have a look. What do you make of it?
3: Nothing can help. You die at midnight. Uh, So, who said it? Who said it? Who said it? I don't know. Don't know who sent it. No. Oh, no date, no signature. Oh, come, come, Mr. Snyder.
1: Exactly what I told him, Chan. If people must get threatening letters, the least they can do is supply us with some clue or other. They make it too hard for a cop. It is not
3: easy being a cop, is it?
1: Oh, no, sure isn't. Everybody puts you down. How's it going, Dick Tracy? How many jaywalkers did you pinch today? And uh, there's always the one who refuses to believe you're not on the take. All at once, you're a cock, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick. John Law, you're the fuzz, the heat. You're poison, you're trouble, you're bad news. They call you everything, but never a policeman. Oh, the pay's adequate. If you count your pennies, you can put your kid through college, but you better plan on seeing Europe on your television set. You rub elbows with all the elite, addicts, thieves, bums, liars, cheats, con men, the class of Skid Row, underfed kids, beaten kids, Molested kids, broken arm kids, broken leg kids, broken head kids, sick kids, dying kids, and dead kids. For every crime that's committed, you get three million suspects to choose from. Most of the time, you'll have few facts and a million hunches. You'll do legwork until you're sure you've talked to everybody in the city. People who saw it happen, but really didn't. People who insist they did, but really didn't. People who remember. Those who try to forget. Those who tell the truth and those who lie in the paperwork. You'll fill out a report when you're right. You'll fill out a report when you're wrong. You'll fill out one when you're not sure. You'll fill out one listing all your leads. You'll make out a report on the reports you made. You'll learn to live with a district attorney, testify in court, defense attorneys, prosecuting attorneys, judges, juries, witnesses. Sometimes you won't be happy with the outcome. But there's also this. There are over 3,000 men in this city who know that being a policeman is an endless, glamorous, thankless job that must be done. I know it, too. That's what a cop is.
3: Well, one thing is for sure. What's that? I'll never ask that question again.
1: Well, seven minutes to go. Well, this is becoming quite a gathering of the crime plan. Yes. Come in. My time is your time. Now get out of here.
3: Sam, Sam, it's getting late. You'd better solve this case.
1: Yes, it's three minutes to twelve, and I'm worried. Do something for me. Do something and save me. Uh, Yes. Who is it? Come in.
3: The Whistler. (laughs) And I know many things, for I walk by night.
1: You're just in time.
3: Just in time for murder, I hope.
1: Don't rush me. I still got two minutes. What's the Whistler doing here? He must know the writers on this show. (laughs) He's no detective. He doesn't even know enough to walk in the daytime. Oh. Oh, it's Sam Spade,
3: the hard-boiled private eye, the James Bond of the Super
1: Snoot. How do you do, Mr. Wester? How's business with your weird, strange stories? Oh,
3: gory be we're killing
1: them. Oh, please, please. Can't any of you do anything? Save me. Save me.
3: Oh, they got me. They...
1: Hold it. Don't fall.
3: Thank you. Look for it in the morning express. You can fall,
1: now. Oh, blood. Goodie. Well, they uh, don't need me here anymore. Uh, Just a minute, Sam. How do we know he is dead? Well, let's get a doctor. Let's make sure the corpus is delected.
3: Somebody looking for a doctor? I'm Dr. IQ.
1: Oh, do come in, Dr. IQ. What are you doing here?
3: I'm looking for a lady in the
1: balcony. Well, you... (laughs) You've come to the right place, but uh, we really need a real doctor. Twenty-five silver dollars says I'm a real doctor. If you can repeat after me this thought twister exactly as I say it. Remember, one time and one time only, it goes like this. Jim is slim, said Tim to Kim. Jim is slim, Tim to him, said Kim. Jim is Tim said slim to Kim. Slim said... I ah, Oh, I'm sorry, but... Here's a box of 24 bars of delicious Milky Way candy bars and two tickets to next week's production here at the Little Theater of Times Square. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Effie, uh, we better check this uh, fellow on the floor. I think he's dead.
3: But, Sam, there's a chance he may not be dead.
1: Effie, no pulse, no heartbeat, no blood. He's dead.
3: (laughs) Well, I was reading in Amy Vanderbilt's Book of Etiquette that some people are quieter than others at social gatherings.
1: I, I don't think that this applies uh, in this case, Effie. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not dead. I'm okay. But, Mr. First-Nighter, you were shot for times. time. I know. They missed me. The bullets went wild. They shot that man over there. Oh,
3: Sam! There is a man lying in the floor. I think he's dead.
1: Well, I don't know, Ep. Let's roll him over and see. Uh, mister, are you uh are you dead? Say something.
3: My time is your time.
1: (laughs) Uh you're right, Effie. It's Rudy Valley and he's dead.
3: Chase, what would Mr. First-Nighter have done without you? Uh,
1: probably a hell of a lot better. Oh,
3: no. <laughs> Don't be modest, Sam. Why, the number of people who owe a debt of gratitude to you must be...
1: Uh, must be without number, I know. Look at it the other way. The number of people to whom I owe debts, uh, gratitude and otherwise, the otherwise being of course, cash, could easily be numbered somewhere upwards Sam, of... Sam, uh, uh, hmm? uh,
3: speaking of debts. This seems like an opportune time to bring up last, last week's, week's
1: salary. salary. Yeah. Well, now, Effie, the 1st I should remit me some money soon. Or a horse I know might shock everybody and come in. Or I might say, find a $25 bill on the sidewalk somewhere. And uh, then you will be graciously taken care of first.
3: A $25 bill?
1: Effie, le- leave us not picking things. Let's get out of this. Say goodnight.
3: Goodnight, Sam.
1: Good night, sweetheart.
2: (laughs) That's it, ladies and gentlemen. The curtain is now for the last act of another original Broadway play. It's Buddy and Mrs. are bowing to an enthusiastic little theater audience. If you want to hear a truly gripping play, one that will hold you spellbound for every minute of the performance... Tune in next week for the drama entitled, A Story Revised. Here's the kind of play that you hear too seldom. So join us next week, same time, same station. And now we move out of the theater and into the street. Here's your cab, Mr. First Natter. Thank you. Good night.
1: Campana's First Nighter program, starring Olin Suley and Barbara
2: Luddy, is a copyrighted radio feature. Tonight's play was pure fiction and did not refer to real people or actual events. The First Nighter program came to you over CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Welcome back. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about this. First of all, we should talk about the First Nighter program. It's actually referenced a lot in old-time radio on other programs. It's one of those series that relatively few episodes survive. From its 19 years on the air, plus about a year and a half of reruns, the series was known for putting on original plays every week which may not have seemed like a big deal because, you know, you have Suspense and The Whistler, but this was the first. This was a program that paved the way for so many other anthology series that would follow. Definitely revolutionary for 1930 when it got started. Now, the first thing we can observe with the recording is that there has clearly been some splicing done by an old-time radio enthusiast, adding the opening to the Olin Soule version of the First Nighter program. And that makes sense, since Olin Soule, while not the first host of the First Nighter program, was the... Mr. First Nighter from 1943 on uh, succeeding Don Amici and Les Tremaine. However, in the midst of the audio, we get another First Nighter opening, and this one references Les Tremaine as the star. That, of course, makes no sense if we take this as a recording from era Sam Spade was playing in because Les Tremaine left the First Nighter program in 1943. So there's that. So uh, this was not actually made as part of the First Nighter program, and I think that the ending and beginning were just added on by someone who wanted to make it fit for whatever reason. Other possibilities include that it was some sort of private performance, perhaps for a sponsor or for uh, the network. It does sound like the character of Mr. First Nighter, my best guess for the voice... Is Harry Von Zell who was a famous old-time radio announcer on a lot of different programs, mainly comedy. Uh, w- you know, which would be appropriate in this case. There are two other big internal clues. Uh, the first is that Howard Duff does a version of the "To Be a Cop" speech from the Dragnet episode, "The Investigation." Now, this initially caused me to wonder whether the speech might have been written before uh Dragnet. But I think there's another clue in here where James Bond is referenced. Now, when Sam Spade was on the air, James Bond was really not uh, a thing in the United States. You know, uh, on video theater a few years back, we played the adaptation of Casino Royale which featured the character of Jimmy Bond. I think Bond's popularity in the United States took off with the Sean Connery movies in the 60s. So this makes this a later performance. Another clue is found in the title of The Caper that Sam begins to relate to the audience's applause and that is The Magic Castle Caper. The Magic Magic Castle is a private club for magicians, as well as magic enthusiasts. It's located in Hollywood, and it's a location that definitely rings a bell to me, since I'm currently watching my way through Bill Bixby's series, The Magician. And in the second half of the series, uh, Bill Bixby's character, Tony Blake, moves into an apartment in the Magic Castle. And the Magic Castle's founder, Milt Larson, is a known old-time radio aficionado. So, what seems likely here is that some year, on Christmas Eve, a performance was arranged at the Magic Castle that featured Sam Spade in a tribute to old-time radio. The Magic Castle opened in 1963. However, based on the inclusion of the to-be-a-cop speech that it was recorded in 1968 or after. Now, of course, uh, the 1970s may have been a perfect time for this to be recorded because that's when nostalgia for the golden age of radio really began to be a force in popular culture that would lead to the revival ...of network radio drama in the United States. And also, in the 1970s, neither Duff nor Lorreen Tuttle had a regular television gig. They were essentially at the point in their careers where they were in demand, but it was as guest stars. Personally, I probably lean more towards the idea that this was recorded in 1968, just because the inclusion of the speech, well it could have been done later had really hit a nerve in 68, and I think that that would make it far more likely to be included in the script than if it were uh, played several years later. At that time in 1968, Howard Duff was playing Sam Stone on Felony Squad, so it would have been a fitting thing to read. Now, of course, not only did Duff have his role on Felony Squad, but Lorraine Tuttle had a recurring and Emmy-nominated role on the series Julia as Hannah Yarby. However, we're talking about a single performance for 15 minutes on Christmas Eve. Even with uh, an actor's busy schedule, this seems plausible it could be worked in. Though, again, it's possible that it could have been later, uh, though I do lean towards 1968. Regardless, stepping away from the mystery, and I would imagine that this whole thing is a, a private recording that somehow ended up getting traded into the old-time radio community and has been circulating around for the past 40 years or so, I guess. It's fascinating to me that Lorene Tuttle and Howard Duff had not played these parts together for at least 18 years. Could have been two decades. And they just stepped right back into them like a pair of comfortable slippers. And it's a reminder that Howard Duff and Lorene Tuttle were truly talented radio performers. And any performance with them together is definitely worth listening to. Well, I would love to hear your thoughts. Did you catch any clues I missed? And do you think I got it right? Or is there evidence that points you in another direction? Uh, Regardless, I'd love to hear from you. Email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to David, Patreon supporters since January 2019, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. That will do it for today. Next week, we'll be back with another uh, listener support special. But coming up tomorrow, listen for an actual episode of Sam Spade, where...
1: You slid into a booth at the end of the bar, took the gun out of your shoulder holster, and laid it down on the table in front of you. I walked over, turned it around, so it was pointing at the jukebox instead of me, and sat down. Some other time, Spade. Some other time I drink with you. I'm waiting for a friend. Why, the gun? You selling it to him? Maybe I give it to him. Go on, you drink at the bar. Ah, it's kind of crowded. Looks like uh, Charlie Rosenfoy's old mob. Who are they gunning for? You or Charlie? Why don't you ask them? What are you drinking, Leo? I was with that bottle all day. Got a bad taste. (laughs) Do me a favor, Spade. There's a bar two doors down the street. Go drink there. There's my friend coming in the door. Oh, any friend of yours is a friend of mine, Leo. Look, Spade. Hello, Leo. What's the matter? You bring a bodyguard to meet your old friend Charlie? This shamus threw his weight in here. I didn't ask him. I don't need him. Huh? That sounds like the old Leo Scarlatti I used to... The be. name is
3: Scarlett! Oh, pardon me. I've been on the rock for so long, it's hard to catch
1: up on all the changes. There's been a war, Charlie. Anyone tipped you to it yet? You got a smart bodyguard, Leo. Let's talk. Let's go somewhere else and talk. Uh-uh, I like it here. Okay, we start. How come you tipped the mob we were coming here? You promised you wouldn't? Like
0: the Shamas, they got a